the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman broadcasting from my palatial office in the in the Cambrian Park neighborhood of San Jose. Um, you're in for a treat today because I have a guest for the show, um, another attorney such as myself, only he is from Southern California from the OC. Uh, his name is Brad Barth. Let me give you a little bit of his background. He's a partner in the Orange County, California firm of Barth Calderon, LLP, uh, like I said, down in Orange County. And he handles uh, a lot of different matters, including business formations and transactional matters, estate planning, like me, domestic and offshore asset protection, probate, trust administration, tax, and real estate law. He's been an adjunct professor teaching property estates and probate at a paralegal college in Southern California, and he's a frequent lecturer on the topics that he covers in his practice. So, Brad, are you there? Bob, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so welcome to the show. I want to let you thank all you. Uh, know out there that um, um, we're going to be having a discussion with Brad today, uh, primarily about a number of estate planning topics, and it. Later in the show, we're going to open up the show for you to call in if you have any questions for Brad. So, Brad, let's go ahead and get started here. Um, sure. Uh, let me ask, first of all, uh, how long have you been practicing law here in the state of California? Well, I got my license back in 2005, but I started with my father and the law firm back in 1997. Uh, and I started there as his one of his drafting paralegal assistants. And then after a handful of years, I decided to go to law school. And I've been practicing in the areas of estate planning, trust administration, probate work, and various forms of asset protection since about uh, 2005. Okay. So basically, you're, you're brand new at this, right? <laughs> Just yeah. This is, I, I uh, this, is, this, is my, this is my first rodeo, yes. <laughs> yeah, your first rodeo, yeah. First rodeo. Well, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about a bunch of things today, but uh, I think... Probably the main thing that I wanted to focus on today deals with uh, with asset protection. Um, sure. I do asset protection planning for the inheritance to be received by spouses and children, but I don't do the first-line asset protection planning for my primary clients. So my first question would be, um, how does someone go about structuring their property 
um, to guard against unforeseen lawsuits? Sure. Well, when you say property, I'm assuming you're referring to both personal as well as real estate, real property, because uh, the tools that we use are, are little, are, they vary. Um, and the primary tool that we use in both areas are LLCs, limited liability companies. Um, and we also use limited partnerships. So this is a matter of kind of compiling assets into their particular holding company. And that kind of gives a first layer of defense uh, when it comes to asset protection. Um, thankfully, we are a country of 50 different states, and thankfully, we have the full faith and credit clause, which kind of pulls us all together as a union, but which allows us to take advantage of different states' laws. And Bob, as you know, not all states are created equally, and so when we're trying to find a way of protecting someone's assets, we look to laws that are most favorable for what we're trying to accomplish. And I, I started the question, uh, the answer with, it depends if it's personal property versus real property, because the liability profiles of those assets are very different. So, for example, if you have a, a gold, gold bullion, you have a, you know, a piece of gold or some gold coins, the likelihood of that gold suing you is actually very, very low. Um, may not even exist, as a matter of fact, or money in a bank account or brokerage account. The risk profile is very low. So we're not look so concerned about protecting ourselves from the activities of that portfolio. We're looking to protect the portfolio. So we may use a, a structure and states and laws that have the best protection from what we call an outside grab, my creditors, things that I may do, my car accident, my personal liabilities from grabbing those types of assets. But when, on the other hand, if you have real estate, for example, you may have assets that have, do have liabilities. The gold bullion won't sue you, but a tenant will in your real estate. So we have to think more, not only how do I protect the, uh, the property as an asset, which it is. It is an asset of mine. It produces income, gives me tax benefits. I get appreciation on that. So it's an asset, but I also, this asset also has liability. So in a case like that, those types of assets, it's both asset protection and risk management. So here again, though, depending upon the type of asset, it's risk portfolios, again, LLCs, it could be limited partnerships, or it could even be various forms of trusts. Um, again, those, mm -hmm. those trusts, I'm sure we probably will get to in a more detailed discussion, but those trusts vary because they're not in, in, you know, from, from state to state. And also, depending if we're looking at it as a pure asset protection tool, or are we looking at it as a wealth succession um, and legacy planning type of tool or tax mitigation tool. So do you actually do planning for people um, setting up entities like LLCs and, and limited partnerships in other states than California? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and kind of opine that I'm guessing that Nevada is one of those states. Yes, that was a very good guess. <laughs> that's one yes, of the, well, one in of the Nevada... Yeah, it's a very friendly state in terms of uh, um, debtor protection, uh, protection from creditors. Right. Yeah. But you know, we, um, but we do almost... for other purposes. There are other states. You no, know, there are states. Uh, you no, know, there are. There's Wyoming, um, South Dakota. There's Alaska. There are other states who just happen to have very um, friendly laws, uh, depending upon what we're trying to accomplish. Have you come up with a with a way to protect? 
um, to to protect um, real estate holdings uh, from the owner of the of the real estate being sued and having their real estate subject to creditors' claims. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what we would refer to as an outside liability, and that's kind of the example that I gave. If if I, for example, got into a car accident, or my wife in the community property state got into an accident, that's a personal liability. But if I own a rental property, I own an apartment building, I own a series of condos, I wouldn't want my creditors to be able to get those. So we want to put basically a force field or a barrier around those those property assets. And so that's exactly what we would do. And again, here again, you're looking at the primary tools that we use, again, are trusts, LLCs, and limited partnerships. So that that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, I'm sure we're probably going to uh, we're going to revisit that later in the show today. Sure. Um, we have a, a maybe about a minute and a half before our first break, so I'm just going to throw another question at you. Sure. And uh, I talk about this a lot on the show, and, and I'm sure people have heard this before, but in your opinion, who needs to do estate planning? Okay. With a minute left, that's going to be a little bit of a difficult time frame <laughs> to answer the question. Um, That's okay. We have more time today. I'll start off with with pretty much much everybody. And I I would start off with the the generic answer that even if you don't have a lot of assets or quote-unquote an estate, if you you have children, that's probably one of the one of the bare minimum entry levels to needing to have an estate plan because as parents, we all have a responsibility to at least make sure that we have proper guardianship designations for our minor children. And even if you don't have any kids, once you're, once you become 18, you become kind of an adult. And sometimes you may just want to have powers of attorney for your kids who happen to be off in college um, for, for their, for, for their financial management, or even be able to make medical decisions for them. So there are some basic foundational documentation that don't deal with mm-hmm. us. States or legacy transfers or probate avoidance. It's 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 just the responsible okay. thing at a minimum, right? As a children. All right. Or well, we're gonna we're gonna hold that thought, Brad. We're gonna come back after this first break and continue on with that. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us um, right now, I have a guest on the show today, attorney Brad Barth from Barth Calderon LLP down in Orange County, actually in the city of Orange. In case you're all wondering where that is, just go down to Disneyland, and it's basically a stone's throw away from Disneyland. So if you know Disneyland, you know where Orange is. It's right next door to Anaheim there. Yep. So, Brad, uh, before the break, we were talking about, uh, I'd asked you who needs estate planning, and you had mentioned, first and foremost, those who have children. Let's continue on with that, maybe expand on that, and then others sure. that you think need estate planning. Sure. Yeah. So we kind of got off with the, uh, this comes top of mind because most of the time when people are planning their estates, they're, besides the, besides some of the financial aspects to it, we mostly do it for the benefit of our family and for legacy. So planning for your kids always is top of mind. And again, I don't think it's necessary that you have 
a large estate per se asset wise because uh, a matter of fact a lot of clients who don't have a large estate may have large insurance policies to kind of make up the estate that they don't otherwise have mm-hmm. again again because they have the responsibility of taking care of some of some minor children so again so estate planning for minors is always very important we kind of mentioned briefly about when kids become adults it's important for them also if they're going off to school or maybe they're off to a, a seminary or someplace that you want to be able to have some powers of attorney over them because you know, the, although you may have a next of kin or parental rights, they still are independent people. So again, another, uh, what do you call them, um, atypical use of powers of attorney for benefit of uh, children who are now no longer minors. The next area mm-hmm. of course, and, and I would even hope. throw in that, uh, that they should even have a simple will. Because even yes. someone going off to college owns something, something whether it's right, your stereo definitely. or your guitar or or the car that you're driving, you own yep. something. Yep. So even a, yep. a simple will, you don't have to have a house and, and bank accounts and brokerage accounts right. to have some kind of dispositive document like a will. Right, right. Exactly. And so then that brings us to the next level. So now you're starting to talk about clients that actually have assets. And there are some litmus tests. There's a, there's a process called probate, and there's a certain dollar value of assets that one may have that you enter into probate. And what probate basically is, is when, when somebody passes away and they have legal title to an asset, how does, that, how does that good marketable title, how does that legal title pass when it's in the name of a decedent into the names of a beneficiary? Uh, when that decedent didn't leave some mechanism to transfer a good marketable title to the beneficiaries. So if you don't have what we would refer to modernly as a trust, then there is very a likelihood that there could be some probates. Um, and probate, especially according to the California Probate Code, is actually a relatively expensive transaction. Um, I actually happen to be a national speaker in this area, so I do have the benefit of traveling the country. And one of the things I always do is take a look at the probate codes or its equivalent to see how do these states treat probates from an attorney and from a cost point of view. And California happens to be one of the more expensive states for doing this. So when you have assets, and again, you're planning for the benefit of a legacy in your family, you want to maximize the preservation of those assets as much as possible. So here, here again, you want to avoid probate to the, to the, again, to the extent that you can. You want an orderly distribution of the assets. You want assets immediately available to your minor ch- children or families. Um, so, so a probate avoidance is another reason why people have to do um, asset, I'm sorry, estate planning. Along the same vein, if you happen to be a business owner, that gets very complicated. Because some, especially if you're a business owner with a partner who's not your spouse. So if you have a business owner and you have a partner to the business owner or multiple business owners, now if all the business owners don't have some business, I call it a business estate plan called the buy-sell agreement, um, which isn't always the case, each individual owner, whether it's in LLCs or shareholders, those assets may wind up either going down through probate, they may wind up trickling into the hands of people who you don't want to be in business with whether it's their spouses, their adult kids who don't really have any, you don't have any symmetry with them, any, any uh, you know, relationship with them or partnership with them in the business. And so I've seen over, over my career, um, a lack of estate planning has actually been completely detrimental to business and not just ongoing concerns, but even passive businesses or land investments um, on real estate holdings. 
So when you're a business owner, you have to have a business estate plan called the buy-sell or some type of limited powers of attorney for business affairs, which may be in addition to a general power of attorney for purposes of incapacity, and also to make sure that the business partners have a communication amongst themselves. And so if something were to happen to me uh, passing away or becoming incapacitated, that there's some streamlining process to make sure that the business is able to survive that involuntary, that in, involuntary event. And then the yeah, last, that's so absolutely the, last... the case. I mean, I'm working with a with a, an extended family right now that uh, it's four brothers and sisters that collectively own um, some restaurants, and um, and they and they've basically not not done any planning of any kind for succession of the interests that they have in the restaurants owned between four different families that are all related, but not everybody in every family is interested in continuing on with the business. And so we're, we're looking at how do we coordinate all this so that uh, there is some continuity as these now older family members start passing away or becoming incapacitated. It's right. It's very, very complicated. Right. You're lucky if they survive. I certainly don't want to leave this topic about the need for estate planning without addressing probably one of the most challenging and emotional difficult uh, difficult uh, situations with blended families. And it's just a, just a statistical fact that the majority, at least at least 50% to a majority of marriages, um, end in divorce. And sometimes you wind up having blended families where there could be you know, you a new mom-in-law, a new dad-in-law, I'm sorry, stepmom, stepdad, new kids stepkids and uh and those and although the the new the new spouses may get along just great there may be some some resentment between the the kids that kind of come along both from the current relationship and from the new relationship and then you have community property versus separate property and you know certainly i love my new partner but i don't necessarily love my new partner's kids i really love my kids so how you treat those assets probably one of the most complicated plans that we do is what I call the his, her, and our type of plan, how we manage his separate property in a traditional family, the, the her separate property, and then those assets that they accumulate together um, in, uh, as, as, a, uh, as, a, as a new married couple, um, especially if there's kids that are involved. So that's probably, I think, a, a pretty good general statement. And then I guess the, the last thing, to put a cherry on it, the last thing is for those clients that have um, large estates, um, then, then now you're looking at not only uh, orderly distribution of assets, now you're looking at wealth preservation. How do we minimize estate taxes? What tools do we bring in to try to preserve the assets from the world's largest and most aggressive creditor, the IRS? And there are plenty of tools and techniques that are available to help us minimize those and we certainly but they do take some time to plan there is there is a financial feasibility that goes into that but um, it's something that uh, the majority of our clients do engage in some type of tax minimization planning okay okay well we're gonna go to the mid-show break now when we come back we'll open the lines up for calls this is attorney bob bergman we'll talk with you after the mid-show break This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back for the second half of our show today. 
I have as a guest today attorney Brad Barth from the law firm of Barth Calderon LLP in Orange, California, uh, down next to Disneyland, if you're not familiar where Orange is in Orange County. Not to be confused with the other Orange County in Florida that, um, of course, was pretty battered in the last couple of days. Um, I'm going to open the show up now to callers. If you'd like to call in and ask Brad a question about what we've covered so far today, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I'm going to continue on with my discussion with Brad. And if someone calls in, then we'll uh, interrupt the discussion and take that call on the air, 800-516-1220. So, Brad, yep. I think you know, we did a kind of a good overview of who needs estate planning there. Um, one of the things that, that um, people also want to know about, um, and we'll, we'll t- kind of toss the softball this time, um, if you make a will... Does that avoid probate? Well, that's actually a, a great question, Bob, because, uh, again, having the benefit of uh, being a, a speaker in this, in this topic, when I ask that question, you know, half the hands in the room go up as a yes answer and half the hands in the room go up as a no answer. So it's a great question. To I've, ask. Run, I've run um, into the and, same thing in my seminars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So, so about, about half yeah, say, so, oh, yeah, it avoids probate. Right. Right. So no. So the actually the answer is is no. A pro, a wills do not avoid probate. As a, as a matter of fact, the probate court is actually the only legal body uh, to actually read, interpret, and and basically to implement the will. So I would say a will is not a probate avoidance tool. A will is a guaranteed admittance ticket to probate. So uh, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. You know, yeah, I'm saying, yes, I have a golden probate. ticket to the probate court, and I want to go to the probate court. Uh, and right. I don't that's know. Right. <laughs> that's like, I want a root canal. That's what I want. Yeah. yeah well, I think, I, think in modern, I think in modern culture, you know, where we see on TVs and movies, uh, the reading of the will. You know, it's in the lawyer's office, the family sitting around with, you know, with a Kleenex on their nose, how sad they are. Mom and dad passed away, and it's always about reading of the will. And uh, so they stay, and that's that. That's not where it takes place. It actually takes place in the courtroom. Um, I think they, but it doesn't quite have as much emotional draw. Reading of the trust doesn't sound as as exciting as reading of the will. <laughs> and and I can tell you, uh, in, in all the years I've been practicing estate planning, I've never had the family in a room and read the will. Yeah, me too. Or or read the trust. Instead, yep, everybody gets a copy and they can see for themselves what it says. And yep. and um, yep. it's a lot less formal than what you see on TV and in the movies. Yep. I mean, yep. right. lawyer stuff on TV and the movies is always laughable. And yep. uh, my wife, who's also an attorney, she and I will watch these legal procedural shows and sometimes just roll our eyes or groan or laugh out loud at what mm-hmm. happens. Uh, when a yep. show comes along that actually is accurate, we sit up and take notice. And uh, mm-hmm. and the, but those are very few and far between, including all the movies. About the <laughs> all about the ratings, right? And 
you know, people think, oh, well, you filed a lawsuit and we're going to trial tomorrow. It's like, no, maybe five years from now. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of money later, by the way. <laughs> so so if, if a will doesn't avoid probate, and here's going to be the leading question here, what kind of estate planning tool will avoid probate? Right. So this is, this actually ties in, this answer also ties into kind of the question that you addressed in, in the last segment about the need for estate planning. Um, we've already talked about the, the, the admission ticket to probate is either you don't have any estate plan, you go into what's called intestacy, um, or you have that golden ticket to probate, that is you have a will by itself. And so in a, in a more modern, comprehensive estate plan, one of the key Tra- uh, dispositionary tools, the key to, one of the key tools to uh, transfer assets is a trust, it's a, which is referred to as a revocable living trust. It could be a family trust. You've heard it referred to as loving trust. So ba- this is basically a trust, and the trust is the modern tool that's used to actually avoid probate. And why it, and how it segues to the, to the last discussion about need for estate planning is because, you know, Bob, people have property in multiple states. You could have vacation homes. Uh, you, may have a, you may have bought a, a, a property for the benefit of your kids who are going to college in another state. Uh, you may have rental properties in another state. And so every single state has jurisdiction and sovereignty over its, over its land, its real estate. And so although our clients may pass away as a California resident, and California will have jurisdiction that is control over the real property here in California, California will not have jurisdiction over the real property in Nevada. Um, Nevada, as a separate sovereign state, has control over its dirt, just like California has control over its dirt. So a California probate court won't even have jurisdiction over Nevada property. So you have to have what's called an ancillary probate, a whole nother probate, over the Nevada property. And if you got property in Colorado and then in Florida, you're going to have to have probates in all these different states. So so not only is a trust necessary for your personal property and to nominate fiduciaries like trustees and to list out the beneficiaries and not only the who's are the beneficiaries, but how do they receive, we also want to use it to manage and and hold and, and, and all the properties in any other state. We want to avoid probate in California, but we also want to avoid those ancillary probates in Colorado and uh, in Florida and everywhere else. So, so a trust is at that main probate avoidance tool, and that's why I said and also. It's true that about... it's true that here in California, uh, you mentioned earlier, we have one of the one of the more expensive probate processes. Uh, in the entire country, plus it's completely public, so the world gets to see um, how your property is being distributed, who it's going to, what they're getting, and also what it's worth, what the value of it is. All becomes public record, and it, and you and you, I think it's not a stretch to say that there are people that go through the probate court records to see who's inheriting a big chunk of money or a property or something. And there's people out there who make their quote living trying to figure out creative ways to separate heirs from their inheritance. And the probate court 
makes it easy for them to find out who their next mark is going to be, their next victim. Uh, it's all out there. Uh, plus the time involved. I, I don't know what the normal time is down there in Orange County. I know here in Santa Clara County, it's typically about nine months or more to get yep. through the process before things get yep. distributed. Some counties in the state um, can go more quickly because they have, they've allowed certain procedures in the probate court that other counties don't allow. Some of them, it can be well over a year to 18 months. And during that time, you've got people unable to get their inheritance. They don't have money to maybe to pay the tuition for school that they were relying on. And now the parent passed away. Uh, so they have to put school on hold. They can't start their business. They can't uh, put a down payment on a house that they were going to buy. All those kinds of things happen because you're waiting for the time to run in the probate. That's that's, that's a, everything you said is a hundred percent correct, and that's the, I, I I pretty much tell my clients, and based on my experience, rough I said about eighteen months. Eighteen months is about average. Um, if we can if we can deliver beforehand, that's great. Uh, but normally, eighteen months is about an average for about an average size estate. Um, and once you get businesses involved and the human components involved, it certainly can go a little bit longer. My, my longest, my longest probate actually is uh, one that took almost three and a half years. And the funny thing is talking about ancillary probates and the need to avoid it. This was a client um, who had a decedent who passed away in Arizona and they kind of wrapped up all of her, her residence and personal property in Arizona relatively quickly um, and relatively inexpensively. But she happened to have about 14 pieces of property in San Bernardino, Riverside and LA County. So I had oh, three, boy probates going on in different in different jurisdictions regarding the properties and the families and, and the auctions and the valuations and you know and you know how that goes Bob so that that's actually one oh, of my yeah. most difficult um, you know three and a half years um, of, of a probate and it again it could have all been completely avoided had she had an Arizona trust and put the property inside that trust right it cuts both ways not just people here owning property in other states the people in the other states owning property here in California. Uh, right. You don't want to have an ancillary probate in California with real estate because it's going to end up being an expensive lesson for the family um, between the time and the and the fees and costs and things like that. So That's right. we're coming up on the third break of the show today. No one having called in, we're going to take it home in the final segment uh, with... Um, at least one more question for Brad. Uh, we'll probably be able to get two in. But when we come back, uh, we'll finish up the show today with Plan Your State Radio. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host. And just stay tuned for the final segment, which will be coming up in the next few minutes. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of our show today. I have my guest today, attorney Brad Barth from Barth Calderon LLP in Orange, California, down by Disneyland. Uh, we have uh, 
about roughly eight minutes left in the show today. So, um, uh, Brad, I want to throw one more thing out to you today, and then we'll wrap it up. Why is it important to redo your estate plan if you get divorced? Oh boy, that's a that's a that's another great question. Um, I think there's, there's a couple there's a couple things. Um, probably one of the most important ones is if you have a a, a former spouse, um, especially if you're in in the divorce process, not so much when divorce papers have been finalized. Um, those documents are still valid, um, and the, I think for most people, with all kidding aside really wouldn't want a, uh, a, a, a spouse that they're divorcing being the ones making medical decisions for them or being the one who has the rights to pull the plug on somebody. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely something to keep top of mind. Now, once the divorce is finalized, at that point, I believe that that, that uh, former spouse is deemed to be no longer a valid fiduciary, a valid agent for you. But when you get, when you get remarried, when you, after the divorce, you kind of want to reconsolidate the assets because normally assets are, are split, whether it's 50-50 or otherwise. Each divorced spouse walks away with their own assets. And so that's an opportunity now to refresh your entire plan, to designate new, new agents for making medical decisions property decisions, um, or also new agents to be the trustee for the benefit of, of the children. Um, also, I think an important part, though, Bob, which I don't think a lot of people think about, I'm not quite sure how you advise your clients, that especially if there's minor children that are involved in the divorce, and although the, the spouses may walk away or the ex-spouses may walk away as two individuals, they should at least still agree on who the guardians should be within the wills, as we kind of started the whole conversation off, because I, I've right. seen where where there's there could be a situation because although the biological parent is always by by law absent them losing their custody privileges, um, the biological parent will always be the primary uh, guardian. But what if the what if they're what if they're they're both for whatever reason unavailable, either because of death or incapacity? If, 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 if she, in a traditional relationship, she lists her sister as number one guardian, and then he lists his brother, um, and they're both the primary successor guardian over the minor, now you've just kind of created another conflict that these estate plan documents are hopefully designed to prevent. So I say that although you may walk away and you can redo your entire plan, you should probably have some alignment on who the guardianship lineup should be. So hopefully the, uh, the, uh, the, spouse, the former spouses are at least talking to each other to that extent. But um, I well, think... Well, I, I would happy. maybe interject here that um, another issue might be that if there's been like financial issues in the marriage and that's, that's what's led to the divorce, um, someone might very well realize... Uh, I have people and I tell them, okay... You can nominate guardians for your children. Um, you don't have to nominate your spouse or your, your soon-to-be former spouse. Um, nominate who you would want to be the guardians for your children uh, because your spouse might pass away before you. Right. Um, and now you've named them. But the other thing is you might want to have a different person nominated as guardian for the estate of your children. Correct. You may not want Correct. your Correct. ex handling their inheritance if something came 
to them from right. you that may right. have been at the heart of the problem to begin with. You don't want them blowing your kid's inheritance. So you may not be able to control who's going to who's going to have legal custody of the children, but you can nominate someone to handle their inheritance, their right. assets Perfect. from you. And that might be the most important thing. That might actually be what leads the former spouse to decide, well, they don't want the responsibility of raising the kids either if they can't get the hands on the cash. Right. <laughs> so a yep. little and bit of a judo move one, there, but it can work. Yeah, and I'll have one... I have one last comment before uh, we, we discuss um, your upcoming workshop. Um, probably the one other thing is that uh, as the checklist when in, from divorce, not only on the planning, but also you met, since you mentioned financial assets, be sure to update the, the beneficiary designations on the retirement plans and on the insurance policies. Because the documents do one thing, but by the designation by contract on those types of financial assets, um, if they still have the former spouse listed, even though there may not be, they may not be, may not be a beneficiary in the trust, they're listed by contract in these financial um, retirement or life insurance policies. They're gonna, they're gonna take. So let's make sure that all the assets are updated um, mm-hmm. un, under your new, under new marital status as single. Okay, well we're coming up on the end of the show today, Brad. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, uh, I'd love it if you could come back on the show again sometime in the future. Is that something you'd be sure. interested in doing? Absolutely. Just, uh, just send me the invite. I'd be more than happy to. Okay. We'll certainly do that. Thank you, Brad. I'm going to let you all know out there, just uh, as a reminder, I do have one of my estate planning workshops coming up. It's going to be a little different this time. It's on October 12th, which is a Wednesday. It's going to be from 1130 a.m., to 12:30 p.m. so right in the middle of the day in the middle of the week uh, you can go to my website at lawbob.com where you can see a link to the seminar and then you can actually register i have it about half full now and i hope to have a full house coming back on wednesday so have a great weekend bay area this is attorney bob bergman plan your state radio and drive safely out there You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.